Hello, my name is John Brink and we are on the Brink, downtown Prince George. And today I'm very excited. We have two, case, uh, two guests, Kate uh, Marin. Did I say that right this time? And, and Harsh Dalival. Yeah. Welcome to the show. And uh, uh, both of you are dressed in orange and we're going to talk about that a little bit more about it. But first I want to know a little bit more about you. And starting with you, Kate. Sure. Um, my name is Katie Marin, and I am uh, the District Vice Principal of Indigenous Education for School District 57. And um, I'm also the lead for the District Student Advisory Council, which is why Harsh is here with me today. She's the chair of the council. And um, yeah, what else do you want to know? And so you're from originally from Prince George? No, so I moved here. I think in 2000 when I finished my education degree and my husband um, got into university here and I was like why not start my career in Prince George yeah and so I started here as a teacher I was a PE teacher um, for a few years and then moved into a support kind of resource role as a teacher and then moved into leadership as as a vice principal yeah and then started working with these amazing kids and of which school Oh, I've been all over the place. Um, Prince George Secondary School. I've been at D.P. Todd Secondary. Um, and you were the vice principal as well? Vice principal at D.P. Todd and at yeah. Prince George Secondary School. Yeah, yeah and, and that's where you are now as well then? Or? Now I'm vice principal um, in a district role. So for all of the schools for Indigenous education. So I support Indigenous students and their academic success in and all of the schools. And you do that under the umbrella of School District 57? You bet. And how big is school district 57? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think, uh, I don't even... A lot of schools, right? <laughs> yeah. Could yeah, I think there's um, seven, eight high schools. I don't even know off the top of my head. And right. quite a few elementary schools. So it's, it's a... It's fairly big, right? Yeah. Big yeah. umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, so the hash. How about you? And... Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, um, my name is Harsh Dhaliwal. I'm a grade 12 student at Prince George Secondary School. Um, yeah. Like Katie said, I am the chair of uh, the District Student Advisory Council this year. and The District? Student Advisory Council. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so basically my role with that is kind of just to help out, organize meetings, and um, really make sure that we're on the right track with everything. So if you say District Advisory Committee, does that involve the school or is it broader than that? Um, so with the District Student Advisory Council, um, each student, there's a group about, of about 12 or 13 of us. Okay. And so we are uh, high school students from each of the high schools in Prince George. So there are representatives from Prince George Secondary School, DP Todd, and all of the other schools that are in SD57 that are in Prince George. Okay, and is a mixture of grades? Yes. You're in grade 12, yeah. so it involves not only uh, the grade 12 students, but also the other grades, and does it involve girls and boys and uh, you know that kind of a mix of what yeah so um it is mostly grade 10 11 12 students this okay. year we do have a lot of grade 11s and grade 12s yeah um but yeah it's some, just a mix of any kind of student in that age group yeah 
Yeah, and then you meet every so often and talk about issues, or what, what do you do? Yeah, so we meet monthly to discuss our plans. Lately, it's kind of been weekly, but... As, just as it relates to any particular issue, or...? Yeah, so we kind of figure out our focus at the beginning of the year, and so each monthly meeting, and during the month, um, a few of us might meet to um, further our plans, but... Um, at our monthly meetings, we'll usually discuss plans that we have, um, things that we're doing. Um, oftentimes, we are invited to sit in on board meetings, whether that be like the district board meetings or planning policies or education planning. So we're invited to be part of all of those meetings. And within that, at our monthly meetings, we also just do a lot of discussion as well about our plans. I find it interesting because uh, I'm on a number of committees and groups and boards and all of that kind of stuff. But especially seeing somebody like yourself, uh, you know, sh sharing a group of 12, uh, you have a governance structure or you have an agenda that you're working on with items and issues? Um, so, kind of originally, uh, the way that District Student Advisory Council was, was, you know, we followed Robert's Rules of Order. I like We I did like, all I like that, <laughs> you know, because that's what I was looking for, because <laughs> Robert's Rules, uh, you know, the, I was part of Toastmasters for about 10 years, and uh, before I became a Toastmaster, uh, you know, the, you get a group of people together and they talk, and the one talks and the other talks, mm. and that one talks, and there is no structure. Mm. And, and so, obviously, what you have governance and then following Robert Sewell's, right? So that means that every voice will be heard. Yeah. And, and, uh, mm. and you get them making sure that they stay on the issues and that you have motions that are passed and, and the meeting has an agenda. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I just had to we, throw that in. So what we've done, because um, Robert's Rules of Order is, is one of those things that can be um, difficult to follow, and I think um, we've kind of created more of a, a circle-type format. Yeah. So using the Indigenous lens, the way of making decisions and communicating and making sure, like you said, every voice is heard, we have started to, to um, use the circle format. Yeah. As a way of making sure that yeah. everyone's... With bits, bits against means there is structure. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, and that, <laughs> that is always important. There is exactly. a chair and the, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so, uh, yeah, I, I always find this interesting because, uh, you know, when I was in Toastmasters, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but Toastmasters yeah, is uh, an organization. I, I was um, very, I, I was not very comfortable speaking in public. Mm -hmm. Anytime, although I had a mill and all those other, when there were more than three or four people, I had difficulty communicating. I was lots of lack of self-confidence about all those kind of things. And then somebody virtually physically dragged me down to Toastmasters to the first meeting. And I said, the only way I'm going to go, if, if you don't ask me any questions because I don't want to stand up and talk, and uh, so then somebody asked me, what, can you tell us who you are? And uh, so and I said the second time, I'm not going to go there. But then somehow I did, and I stayed there for 10 years, mm -hmm. and then became a distinguished Toastmaster, which is the highest level you can be in Toastmaster. And now I'm a public speaker and doing all these other kinds of things. But in that process, what we also did, we had, as part of Toastmasters, we had a structure of where you would go to a school. We did Duchess Park where we had mini Toastmasters meetings. Mm. So where we then as experienced Toastmasters would 
sit down with a couple of students and there were maybe four or so or five, six, and then we set up a meeting and that included, uh, you know, an agenda and, a, and included uh, a business meeting and kind of a structure around it. And also it included having small speeches to do and we would work with the individual students and uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was part of the Toastmasters structure to give them exposure to how that system works, you know, so it's very valuable. So the other things that are very exciting that you do together, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I can speak and I think Harshal jump in as well. Um, yeah. So I think when COVID hit, it was really difficult for us as a group to be able to go into schools and do leadership type activities, right? Because yeah. no one was doing activities and, um, there wasn't lots of gathering and stuff. And so we, we sat together and we're like, what are we going to do? So, cause here's the thing about the district student advisory council or it's DSAC for short is what we call it. Um, DSAC, so DSAC. district student advisory okay. council. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if I DSAC. say that, that's what it means. Yeah. Um, is that we're trying to move from, um, students just having voice because right. Practicing their voice. Like you talked about Toastmasters. Yeah. So not just having voice, but actually having agency. And what agency is, it's actually they see themselves in decisions that are made in the school. Yeah. And so that's what we're working on. So it's not only that, you know, they practice using their voice, but that like their role in our district is to liaise between um, the Board of Education and yeah. the student body. That's that's who they are. Yeah. And but not only because sometimes when you say, well, we consulted with the students. That doesn't always mean we, we went, oh, thank you for your opinion. And then you just go on and do your yeah. own thing. But when actually students see decisions being made based on what they've said and exactly. what they've done. So that's what we're working on. And so COVID hit and we're like, we don't know what to do. Um, and at that time, there was there was a lot of um, racism that we saw um, in the community um, based on the renaming of the school, Shasti Kelly Road. And there was an incident at PGSS. And, and at our first meeting, I think it was right after Halloween, we were we were all talking and I, I said to the students, I'm like, all right, so we're gonna work on something this year. What are you guys seeing? What do you feel? What are you sensing in the schools? What's really important to you? And we had just an open, like a circle conversation. Like, what do you, what do you wanna do? What is something that you feel like you can make change in our district? And every student talked about what they were seeing in the school so maybe you can take it from there like what the conversation kind of yeah went. so um we talked and we talked amongst ourselves and with all of the stuff that had just come up with racism and the incidents that we were talking about at the schools we kind of all noticed that there were tensions regarding racism in our schools but it wasn't just like obvious overt acts of racism because um i feel like those overt acts of racism are usually they're taken care of or they're, they're, they're facilitated. There are methods of dealing with that kind of stuff, but it was like the microaggressions, the stereotypes, that subtle covert racism, that like the hidden racism that we talk about that we all kind of noticed. Um, people of color and white people were noticing these subtleties. And so obviously we decided that racism did exist and not only did it exist at a student level but it also existed in a systemic level so we decided that for the year we wanted to try and tackle systemic racism yeah 
And and so, <clears throat> what I did before we started talking is I looked at four uh, videos, and uh, you know, it was quite shocking actually. Yeah. Some of them yeah. very well done, but it kind of showed exactly what you are talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so how do you? then got to the point of drawing this out from people and saying, mm -hmm. well, I've had that experience. And, yeah. and, and then how about, uh, and I, I kind of watched it on the, the videos, but also that then being said, what can we do about it to make people understand, you know, that that is simply not acceptable or how do we become respectful of all yeah. individuals, yeah. Uh, uh, no matter what gender, no matter what or sexual orientation, no matter what color, no matter what background, all of that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and respect the individuals for who they are. Yeah. Really. So, um, like Katie said before, with COVID, it was hard to be able to go into schools and yeah. um, really talk to students. So, we decided that we wanted to create a piece that was going. To, to impact people through the heart. And what I mean by that is you can tell anyone what racism is. You can tell them, give them examples of racism. You can tell anyone what microaggressions and stereotypes are, but that's, there's a difference between doing that versus really showing people the impacts that racism has on people of color and how racism is truly a barrier for, a systemic barrier for people of color. And so our ideology going into this was we wanted to impact our peers through the heart um, no matter what background you came from no matter from what political background you came from um, we, you would listen to stories of people in your communities go that go to your schools or in your school district in your city and you would listen to these stories and truly through listening you would be impacted through the heart and you that, that the hope with that was to invoke empathy and to invoke real change not just because oh i was told to do this so i have to versus um i actually want to i want to work towards making the world a better place for myself and for others as well right mm -hmm. and and then after you do that and as i looked at the videos which are very very good mm -hmm. then you then want to transfer it to others mm. that may not have had the exposure mm -hmm. and are not even aware of the fact that it exists. Mm -hmm. Because what I see a lot of times is that people that are affected by it mm. have a fear of even speaking about it mm -hmm. unless they feel in an environment that they feel safe and protected. Yeah. Right? Mm. yeah. So how did you go about that? Or how do you go about that? Or at what stage are you now as, as it goes forward? Um, I think where we're at right now, uh, there's a couple of things. The reason for the films is that I think, like Harsh said, we're trying to um, reach people through the heart, especially with learning. We do, you can find information from anywhere. You can Google anything that's content, but learning is more than content. Learning is, is sometimes about listening and particularly with issues about racism um, that come up, our 
you know, first instinct, speaking from a person who's not of color, first instinct is to want to swoop in and try and save the day, right? And we want to do something about it, which is great. We do want to do something about it. But the first step before you step in is you need to listen and listen and listen some more to those who have experienced racism. And then alongside people who have experienced it, then support. Right. So so this was our attempt at giving people an opportunity to listen yeah. and really hear the stories, because we interviewed alumni from um, people who had graduated from all of the secondary schools in our district and also interviewed people who are in the in the schools right now. And the alumni were all people who had experienced racism and people, um, the students now as well. And um, we just we need those stories to get out there, right? Once you kind of um, connect with people emotionally, that's that seems to be the best way to make change. And we, we really are working towards making change. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that because of your project that you're doing, that mm -hmm. the frequency of occurrence mm -hmm. is much higher than you mm -hmm. had anticipated? Mm -hmm. And even have mm -hmm. people that are reluctant mm -hmm. to talk about it, uh, you know, and, and particularly if I look at your uh, mm. uh, videos, uh, you know, the uh, yeah. it, it is not just related to skin color, mm. but it is also related to uh, uh, interpretations that are totally mm -hmm. uh, irrelevant, mm -hmm. usually just because I'm looked at as this or that, right. so therefore I'm lesser than or not as smart and as bright and all of that sort of thing. Like stereotypes, yeah. just based on what you yeah. look like. The yeah. thing about stereotypes is that, um, you know, talking with these alumni that graduated 20 years ago and mm -hmm. talking to students that are still in the school system, the thing with racism is that no matter what race you are, no matter what background you come from, the things that racism do or the feelings that racism invokes is this sense of inferiority throughout everyone who experiences it. And so, um, you know, I was talking to administrators and I've been told that the things that I talked about when I was being interviewed were the exact same things that they were experiencing or the exact same feelings that they were feeling 20 years ago when they were in the school system. And so um, with that, with like the stereotypes and those assumptions that people have, um, with this project, the hope was to help people get away from that bias or even help people be aware of that bias that they have in that first place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's part of it also that it affects self-confidence in an individual mm -hmm. if they feel that because of the pressure they're getting mm -hmm. that they feel inadequate or not same as yeah you know and I've in uh, you were talking 20 years ago like uh, uh, I was born in 1940 so that makes me 81 right now so uh, and uh, so uh, I went to school and I failed grade three I don't know anybody that ever failed grade three and 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 then this comes as a surprise. Then I failed grade seven three times. And and saying, well, what is the matter there? So they, we were then at the point that they said, well, we're going to 
what do we do with him? You know, because failed three times, failed grade seven. So they were contemplating to send me to the school of the mentally challenged or get me a job. That's when I was 14 and want to work mm -hmm. in a furniture factory and, uh, you know, and, uh, and then uh, I, I sometimes tell the story is that uh, I was fairly small for my age, since 14. It was on a weekend that, uh, uh, again, we had the report card on Friday and they said he failed again. So they got me mm -hmm. uh, a job that Monday as a f in the furniture factory. <coughs> mm -hmm. And so my dad had to get me a set of coveralls. And uh, so he had a friend that had a store, closing store. So we went down there and they didn't have the small coveralls, so they got the ones that were longer, and I had to you know, fold them all the way up here, and then the crotch was hanging here. That was not cool then, now it is, but not then. <laughs> and uh, so, and then I would go, so everybody was on holidays, you know, because the holidays came after the end of the school year, but I want to work that Monday mm. on my bike and then drove to the factory. It was about 10 kilometers away, or so 10 or 15 kilometers. And then when the school came back in September, mm. the kids that were going to school that I had to go to school with really didn't want me to ride with them and their uh, coveralls. Mm. So uh, me and my coveralls, I was a worker then, no longer a friend and a, a, you know, and, and a companion, but I was then a worker, you know, and, and, and too dumb to learn and all of that kind of stuff. So that's all a form of that. And what that does then, my experience is that it brings down your self-confidence mm -hmm. potentially mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and uh, it indirectly resulted in Oh, I have to tell you another thing. Then, uh, you know, so that was then. Mm -hmm. Now we fast forward to, I was then uh, 14. Now I'm forced fast forwarding. I went to Canada when I was 24. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then fast forwarding again when I was 58, 44 years later from studying as a furniture maker. On, I was in the bookstore on 4th Avenue here, Books on 4th, mm -hmm. and I found this book, I opened the book and I looked at it and it said, Driven by Distractions was the title of the book. And I found that I had ADHD. Mm -hmm. And obviously that was part of the issue. Attention uh, uh, deficit, uh, you know, I could not concentrate and something then mm -hmm. was looked at, uh, you know, as not fully understood mm -hmm. and usually it was misinterpreted and, and obviously substantially affected uh, self-confidence of a lot of people and, uh, you know, but also again a form of, mm -hmm. you know, not being lesser than you know, uh, affects your self-confidence and then it takes time to rebuild that again as time goes forward. Well, know. and I think that, you know, you talk about being uh, a young man and um, I, I think that you're quite successful now, right? But someone made an arbitrary rule way back when that you were a failure 
right? Correct. But whoever made that rule. That's how you felt. Right. That's how I felt. And and that's what happens also with racism, right? We have these stereotypes. We have these imaginary rules that we don't even sometimes know that actually place people in positions of inferiority. And so it's actually, that's part of this is exposing some of these unwritten rules, I suppose, or um, right, that, that, that marginalize people and oppress people with learning disabilities or in our case, in the work that we're doing, um, marginalized by race. Mm-hmm. Precisely, and, and, mm-hmm. and so, so what did you do about it, John? Well, for a long time it really troubled me and then that was one of the reasons I had problems interacting well. Then I went to Toastmasters, but purely coincidental. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, th- that gave me the feeling that, okay, I'm as smart as anybody else and I can do this and give you... Cause and then the other part that I did do about it is uh, I wrote a book, Perfect. you know. And before you go, I'm going to give you a copy of this book and sign it for you, and uh, against all odds. Mm. And and then I thought, well, in in that book, I'm I'm starting to write about those things in terms of uh, 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 ADHD mm-hmm. and some of the other things that uh, uh, you know are related to what we are talking about here today. The barriers. <clears throat> and then I felt I had to do more than that, no mm-hmm. different than you are doing now. And so, in July the 8th, this July the 8th, we have another book coming out. Uh, that's the second book that I did. And, uh, you know, it's nearly done and will be uh, ready on July the 8th. And that one is ADHD Unlocked. Okay. It's going to be very, very interesting. <laughs> I'll give you a copy of that too once we have it and it talks about not only me but it talks about another 15 16 people that we interviewed of all different levels as to what was their experience in terms of ADHD and what it all the pressures they felt along the way and how they were and and sometimes by themselves or by others looked as then lesser than and how did they go uh, and deal with all of that so in all those things is very critically important, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, definitely. So tell me more about, you know, the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so where Films. do you go from here? Because yeah. I saw in the interview, what I found interesting, it uh, did not only deal with color or mm-hmm. skin tone, but it also dealt with uh, indigenous mm-hmm. people or other people that mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that felt uh, either mm-hmm. from where they originated, uh, you know, and and uh, were discriminated against. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. I remember even myself when I first came here in 1965, mm-hmm. and I arrived in the Greyhound station here, not f- about two blocks away from here. I couldn't speak the language. I didn't know a soul, and I didn't have a job. And I had twenty-five dollars and forty-seven cents. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I, I couldn't speak the language, so I right. was struggling with, uh, you know, making myself understood. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the, and, and then when I initially got a job, but even then, uh, you know, was kind of saying, hey, but does that deep here, want here, and blah, 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 and all those kind of things, you know, mm-hmm. so, and that was not always pleasant either, you know. No, that's, I think that's what we've 
kind of tried to expose through through the films is people's experiences because I mean you still talk about it now and I'm sure you still feel it as if it was back then right like these things stay with people and um, this what I love about the students doing this work is that you know typically it seems kind of backwards for student for adults to listen to kids like it seems a little bit backwards like in the school system typically right we have a teacher at the front of the classroom and then the kids all listen and the teacher has the information and the students listen but in this case it's students teaching us I love it I love it too because I learn more from these students than I've ever learned in my whole life I and I, I value what they have to say so so and much so that's why we're trying to and to expand. interact with respect yeah. not saying okay well yeah. what do you know so yeah, uh, you know that kind young. of you know you yeah. just uh, a, a young person or whatever mm -hmm. right but right. to act with uh, you know the uh, mm -hmm. so important well and that's why I one of my um, goals is to have students and youth at every table so every decision that's made right um, across the school district or in the city we need youth to speak up and say their experiences they are so valuable and sometimes adults forget to ask kids kids bring so much information yeah. to us right they yeah. they are so valuable um, so that's kind of where we're at um, this evening we have our release of the films like our official media release I, I love it yeah so and and then we have some ideas moving forward working with another school but um, I'll let her I, that. I love it you know because of having been exposed myself mm -hmm. and and obviously have been in the workforce here uh, but I was talking to you about uh, when I arrived here in 1965 that mm -hmm. is 40, 57 years ago mm -hmm. Can you imagine it's a long time ago <laughs> and and uh, so what what I normally do the and the company that uh, I have here now is bring force products but we have about four different companies uh, in northern BC and then we employ about 400 people and and I'm not trying to be important but I just give want to give you and look on the operation and then I'm a s single owner of those operations so there's no board of directors mm. but one of the things that I always communicate to, uh, you know, that, that people that enter our company is that I say that everybody will be respected. Mm -hmm. I don't care if somebody there is five minutes, if they are green, brown, yellow, mm -hmm. uh, orange, I don't care, whatever sexual preference they have, whoever they are, we mm -hmm. will respect them. Mm -hmm equal to somebody that has been there for 40 years and that's always the way we start that's the company policy mm. and I want to make sure that it's clearly understood by everybody and that's how we manage the company that's my expectation of uh, the, the managers the supervisors and and everybody in a general way that's the culture of the company mm -hmm. and it uh, will be enforced you know so uh, and I believe that's very very important you know. yeah we need to make um, places safe for all right yeah yeah you know mm -hmm. so so as you go forward and as you already experienced uh, Hash, uh, you know is that when you were talking to people that 20 years ago already the same was there what I'm saying is that even 50 60 years ago it was there and but mm. correct me if I'm wrong 
I believe there is so much more awareness now. Mm. And, and so what I saw in the videos is, uh, you know, the, uh, that the people that you interviewed were very sincere, mm. some emotions mm -hmm. in, in some cases, but mm. were very outgoing and talking about mm. their experiences. And I believe that is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Where does it go from here? Yeah. Um, do you mean like uh, what do we do plan to do with like the videos next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then uh, you know because what you're doing now is in a structured way the way I looking at it from the outside is something that is very very important yeah. obviously from your circle discussions uh, it was indicated that this means a lot to a lot of the students mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you don't want, I'm not saying that you would, but I'm just looking for, uh, but the idea is that you want to have this continue. It is not that yes. another year from now or two years from now, probably a year from now, you'll be going to university or to the college, uh, hopefully here, but maybe elsewhere, <laughs> and you're not there. Yeah. And what happens if you leave? Because that's not what you want to do. Exactly. You want to make sure that you form. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you what to do, obviously, but mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you know, you want to create something that continues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100. percent So um, when we first showed the videos, the first people that saw them, other than like friends and family, were the board. And so we did a meeting with the board, and we showed them these videos. And throughout the entire process, um, just speaking at board meetings and such, we kind of put a statement of accountability out. So um, we made it understood that not we were working alongside each other. Um, so us as DSAC and the board and administrators, we don't we're not here to be like, hey, you need to do this, you need to do that. Um, we're telling you to do this, but it's rather we're working alongside each other. And so working alongside each other with that comes the accountability that um, you're keeping each other accountable. And so when we released these videos to the board, our question for them was, how do we know that this work is going to continue? How do we know that this work is going to keep on going and keep on happening, even if there's a new administrator next year, if there's a different board, um, if there's a different superintendent, how can we rest assured that we're all graduating, this work is going to continue? And with that comes the accountability piece. And basically the response that we got was, this work is equally as important to you as it is to us. And this work is so relevant right now, um, especially regarding racism in our school district. Um, there was just a report that came out that stating um, that systemic racism is a problem in school district 57 and this problem is finally starting to be addressed and that that notion of addressing this isn't going to go anywhere it's going to keep going on and it's keep going to keep creating these safer spaces for students and so there are things that we can do now to create these safer spaces things that we can abolish right away to dismantle systemic racism but then there's also things that are going to take years to do, which um, dismantling those systems, it, it's a long process, but we're, we're in it for the whole process. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking in a way that, correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, 
you know, from the school district 57 perspective, mm -hmm. it is important to, if you have something that is working, how they develop it mm -hmm. for the ones that are now in grade eight, grade seven, grade six, that, uh, that the, the, as they get into grade 10 and that they then become part of this discussion, mm -hmm. that they understand in a way respectfully, no different than I do in my company, is saying that this is acceptable and this is not acceptable. Yeah. And these are the reasons why. Yeah, 100%. It's part of our culture. Yeah. And, 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 and so wherever I encounter, not only in my company, but anywhere else where I mm -hmm. see or hear things like that, I will question it in terms of, uh, you know, what exactly do you mean? Or not in an aggressive way, but something that yeah. is not acceptable, you know, yeah. so. Mm -hmm. The um, DSAC students right now, um, we're releasing the films, but their kind of next project that they're working on is um, they're connecting with uh, an elementary school. And the students that they're connecting with are in grade grades four and five, and they're particularly marginalized students. So the students on DSEC understand that, you know, they're leadership students. They uh, um, are, they come from, you know, strong families, people who support them. Um, they are privileged in that way, and they understand that not every student has that experience. There are a lot of students out there that have multiple barriers um, up against them, and so, the DSEC students are actually using their position in leadership to go in and to make connections with these students in grades four and five and they're going to actually interview them and talk to them about what they think um, some changes we can make in our school district to support them in engagement and connection with school. We want to speak to the students who are most marginalized because if we can make decisions um, for those students who are in need of the most support, it's going to benefit everyone. Oh yeah. No so, doubt. and we're using the DSEC students as a vehicle to access, right? Because kids would way rather talk to other kids. Oh, yeah. They get bored of adults. They're just like, whatever, we hear from adults all day long. We don't sure. want adults talking at no. us, but kids no. talking to kids is so powerful. So yeah. that's kind of the next, once we finish up with the release and, um, get these films into classrooms because yeah. that's where we're working right now is actually getting these films so that kids see them yeah. and teachers take this on yeah. they're going to start to move and work with students yeah elementary students yeah mm -hmm. and and some of the more simpler things you know that uh, it's always been part of my life that uh, you know the uh, growing up in holland when i was a kid mm -hmm. uh, you know the i couldn't even imagine to be discriminating against somebody mm -hmm. for who they are or what they look like or what uh, mm -hmm. if they uh, you know anything like that other than respecting somebody else that was how I grew up mm -hmm. one of the ones that made always an imp impact on me when I'm here in Canada I saw a commercial in the last couple of years you probably have seen it too is uh, where these two little boys they were about three or four i think they could run and run you know and the, they had these two little boys they're running towards each other 
Uh -huh. The one was black, the other was white. Uh -huh. And they hug each other. No colors involved uh -huh. at all. Uh -huh. Just friends, you know, uh -huh. and that's the way it should be. Uh -huh. And it doesn't matter if they are from whatever part of the world and whatever slightly different they look from. It's, it's irrelevant, you know. Uh -huh. It's all about the uh, the person and the individuals, uh -huh. you know. So, and uh, you know, so. But uh, when you see the videos, uh, you know, they are very, very telling. So tell me a little bit about tonight is the official announcement. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, tonight is finally, this has been getting pushed back because of COVID <laughs> and because of other things. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, oh my goodness, like over a year and a half later, we're finally at this point where we're done. We're, we're not done, our work's not done, but the videos, mm -hmm. the content itself is finished. Yeah. And so tonight, um, our media release is planned. We have um, the space booked for it and we have media coming and everyone that's been along with us through this journey. So our amazing videographer and producer, Darren, um, we have all of the alumni and the students that we interviewed, um, our entire DSET crew, of course, and our parents, you know, people that haven't have been part of the process but haven't seen the final result and so um, I'm super excited for them to be able to see that and the mayor the mayor, the mayor's <laughs> gonna be there yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so hopefully with um, that influence that we have we're able to really touch people and that's that was the whole point of this project when we started it was we really want to speak to people's hearts and invoke empathy and change through the heart yeah, and, and that is tonight, and, uh, and that involves a lot of people that indirectly were part of it, but have not seen the complete yep, thing. Exactly. So tonight is a big night. Yeah. <laughs> so where is it going to be? It's going to be Vanier Hall. Vanier Hall. Yeah. And how many people do you expect? I don't know. We, we don't want it to be too big because, no. because of COVID and, yeah, yeah. and things like that. Around 150. That's a lot. Yeah. Th that way we can kind of officially spread people out and yeah. yeah so it'll be somewhere around there yeah so that's going to be very very exciting yeah i'm excited for the kids right the the students i call them kids and they're you know so much like adults but yeah <laughs> i'm excited for them they deserve this they deserve to stand on stage and share all that they know and um you know share it with media and the mayor and i just want more places for kids to be able to show up yeah. to show what they've got and how much they can support. Think of any of the work that you do or, you know, um, there's so much space for yeah. students and youth to be involved. Yeah. yeah. And, and then going forward from there? Mm. Well, um, I think right now um, all of the students are starting to present this at staff meetings in schools and hoping to then teach students will teach the teachers how to um give some of these lessons yeah right talk, talking about teaching the teachers but so it was actually yesterday like yeah. i was standing in front of the entire staff at my school presenting these films we presented the first one at least yeah and um it was just such a weird like flip of the power dynamic because yeah, yeah. there there was all the teachers in my school, everyone that's known me for the last Strange five years, feeling, sitting huh? down, and here I am, a student and a person of color, preaching to these people. And 
the concern was at first like releasing these um videos um my biggest concern was are people even going to care and coming from a student and coming from a person of color i think that this content is so much more powerful coming that way because we're able to speak on our experiences and as the project is about students and people of color and regarding racism i feel like people were just actively listening and people were showing that they cared and we had discussions about it after and um you know teachers that i had teachers that i hadn't had staff throughout the school were talking about how they can be better allies as white people and as people who are put in these positions of authority as teachers and just kind of navigating that discussion and navigating that was really powerful so it feels to me you know like uh obviously being very aware of this that we are moving in the right direction ever so slow obviously slower than we want to see it and uh you know but uh i believe that uh you know that in this what you are doing uh it is helping the process and hopefully it will not be limited to school district 57 mm -hmm. but be a model to other school districts yeah. and and even for the teachers that were sitting in the uh, in, in the uh, student seats yeah. while you were presenting are part of the learning process in mm -hmm. terms of uh, a, a changing world that makes things better for everybody mm -hmm. right and uh, you know and, and it's so critically important Mm -hmm. Yeah, like exactly. Like it's going to be a long process. We know that we can't dismantle these systemic barriers that have been produced over hundreds and thousands of years in, you know, a few days, a few years even. Like it's going to be a, a long process. But um, the way that things are now, it feels like everyone wants to go forward and dismantle those. And so in the next few years, it's going to take a long time. But slowly and by taking little steps we're able to achieve big things yeah. someone we, said one mindful step at a time exactly we do this work. yeah mm -hmm. and and then with the uh, internet and the uh, yeah. social media i believe we're getting more exposed mm -hmm. to some of the problems that are existing mm -hmm. but at the same time uh, you know those always existed in right. in a, in a bigger way yeah. but you can see that uh, uh, you know that the demand for change is is a very real one, yeah. and I believe that's that's extremely important. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Anything else you wanted to talk about before? I mean, I I say this over and over. I think that you know working with this group of students. Um, you know they're they're amazing students but i think that any student could do this work if they're given the opportunity like when when harsh first um joined dsac i don't think she said one word for like <laughs> the first six months she's Sounds very like shy very shy. yeah exactly. that's right she didn't but but when we continually give kids an opportunity to use their voice and make decisions this is what happens exactly yeah. that's like yeah. going into this like 
before DSEC, I didn't know that I was good at or enjoyed speaking in front of crowds of people. Yeah. But if you give people those opportunities, and not just not just the students who appear to be good. like the good students, like the leadership students, the students who are high academic achievers, but if you reach out to those students that are marginalized and you amplify their voices, you instill them with this confidence and you instill them with this self-worth. And through that, you're learning and you're teaching and you're creating better individuals. Awesome question. Yeah, and it builds confidence even mm -hmm. in them, yes. right? And a lot of times that is misunderstood. Even with, with teachers mm -hmm. are going through a learning exercise and they may look like uh, they are, uh, you know, adults in some form of fashion, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that it's for everybody. It's a learning experience and it's new. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it needs both the students and the younger people in particular uh, and the uh, teachers together that uh, make it and I believe uh, today is a very very important day mm -hmm. and uh, you know and obviously I wish you all the best and I will be watching <laughs> Thank you. I'm yeah. going to give you a copy of the books <laughs> no I just want to make sure you get your name right we have to encourage Harsh to write a book too in a few years and we gotta we gotta convince her, Tom. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, English is not my strong suit. That's okay. <laughs> Writing essays. Neither is it mine. There you go. Right? So it didn't Again, thank stop. you. And that's the first one I wrote. Oh. And I'm gonna do one every year from here on in. Yeah. Thank you so thank much you. for having us here. Yeah. Nice having you. Nice to meet Good you. Luck. Thank I'll you. I'll give you a hug afterwards. <laughs> thank thank you. you so much. Good for luck your tonight. Time. Thank yeah. You. Thank you for being part of my show.